Hello, I'm Sirsha, your Rebel Ma host for all boobs blazing for the feminine rising, the podcast for women to receive all we need to remember and believe we are worthy and capable of having it all. So together we can rise in peace, power, pleasure and play and not waste another day rushing and pushing in the old patriarchal way. Together, we'll ignite the flames of transformation, burn away limitations, and light the path to true liberation through our own radical awakening with all boobs blazing for the feminine rising. Let's do this, sisters. Beautiful to have you here, Sigrid. I'm so honored to share in this space with you and have you as one of my first guests on All Boobs Blazing for the Feminine Rising. So thank you for making the time to be with me today. Thank you for inviting me in. I'm excited. Mm. And for those listening, Sigrid is just one of those beautiful, shining, bright lights that I absolutely adore to receive wisdom and inspiration and motivation from. And um, yeah, I have been so intrigued by your journey of becoming an embodied woman as a, you know, as a leader as a podcast host of the sacred leaders podcast which is my go-to space to always get that you know boost that I need and direction and and feel like it just feels like home for me it feels like you're always speaking to me um, directly when I listen in there and it just helps me to see the blind spots that I maybe not see and yeah get back into alignment with who I say I want to be so you are the absolute embodiment of freedom and truth for me. And, you know, you're a humanitarian, you are a writer, a speaker, an embodiment and leadership coach, and a dear sister that I really cherish so deeply. So thank you for being the embodied woman that you are and shining your light so bright for all of us to see. Thank you so much. Thank you for your beautiful words. And I'm really glad to hear that you're getting getting all of that from the podcast and um, yeah, from all the different ways in which we interact. Absolutely. And you've inspired me and called me forward on creating this podcast too. So thank you for that. And I'm excited to get stuck in today and to just, yeah, just receive whatever is feeling alive for you, you know, whatever is is real for you right now and just to delve really into I mean as I said you are a real embodied leader for me you really like speak your truth wholeheartedly from a place of real humble authenticity and I always just feel like you're not just spitting things out for the sake of it you've actually went through the journey of embodying the lessons that you teach and I really feel that from you. So I'd love to just hear to begin with, you know, your journey to becoming an embodied and empowered woman and what that actually means. Like, what does an embodied woman mean? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Loaded question. We start with that one. So look, I would say that my whole life got me to where I am and who I am today in saying that um, the most pivotal moments that I see took place in order for me to be in the embodiment and the practice that I am today is really studying back when I had a corporate job and I made all of the things, I did all of the things that quite made sense according to my reality paradigm at the time so i had the job that made sense and had the relationship that made sense and had the goals that made sense and 
um, after work, I would go and, and drink and on the weekend go and drink and try to forget about how much I didn't like my job and then uh, wait for the summer holidays and all of that type of stuff that we so many of us have done or are doing. And it came through a breakup that really triggered something in me that I didn't even know existed. Um, and I started to experience anxiety, really strong anxiety. And I was left with no other choice than really look at what was there because I could literally not sleep. I didn't, I did not enjoy spending time by myself. I had panic attacks. So I needed some support. I needed something that supported me to shift that. And I, I decided to look for a psychologist. What I didn't know is that the psychologist I was hiring was also a master coach and a breathwork um, facilitator and had done plum medicine and all of these different things. It was a whole combination of many magical things. And I started to work with her, long story short, quit my job, decided to move all across the world and started my career as a yoga and meditation teacher and started personal development and all of the things. So. I changed my life, my environment, my reality had shifted. However, I still didn't feel quite there. It, it's almost as if I had all of these tools, I had acquired all of these practices, I was doing all of these things, but still from that energy of ticking the boxes. Okay, I did my meditation, check. I did my yoga practice, check. I did my gratitude list and my journal, check. All of these type of things, but I still didn't feel quite at peace within myself. I still always had this feeling that I hadn't arrived. So it doesn't matter. It didn't matter what I did and whether I was doing one job or the other. Um, I still didn't feel quite good about myself and my life. I then went on a venture to through a series of circumstances. I'm just trying to keep this story short, but happy to go there if you would like. Um, I transitioned from doing yoga into doing coaching and started to work with people and it was only then that i realized okay if i really want to be really really supporting people to create long lasting results to create long lasting shifts there's something i gotta do because i don't feel like this has quite totally worked for me and that's when i was I was blessed with the opportunity to meet the master teachers, the master plants. And from there, I went on a quest and a journey to see it in all these ceremonies with indigenous elders from different traditions all across the world. And I happened to meet what I felt was the first embodied leader I've ever met. There was this woman that became my teacher that was so deeply embodied and at the time, I didn't know what the word embodiment was. I wouldn't have used that word, but there was something about her, um, a groundedness. Uh, like you were describing what she was talking about, I knew she, she knew from experience. It wasn't like the type of personal development, motivational quote that you put on Instagram or you say in a video, but you can feel that there's a, there's a lack of congruence. There's a lack of resonance. Like you can tell that all, there's so many people out there saying the right thing, but not really following through with their energy. This woman was really owning it. She was so strong and yet so soft. There was a, a relaxation to her beingness. And that inspired me so much that I started to get really curious about what did this woman do and how did this woman embodied all of this? And what I came to realize is that it was through really embracing 
the initiations of life and really taking herself in a very, very deep dive that she had been able to accept love and, and honor herself to the degree that she was doing it. And that inspired me so much that I went on that deep dive journey myself to meet all of the parts of me that I still was deeming as unlikable, unworthy, unlovable, to really work on all of the different aspects of myself that were still believing I was unworthy, nothing was ever enough. And I went really deep through somatic work, through trauma work, through working with plant medicines. I went deep, 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 deep into whatever I needed to go so that I could really embrace this level of self-acceptance that I was seeing this woman had. So my journey went from doing all of the right things and utilizing all of the right tools with mindset and NLP and manifestation and gratitude lists and yoga to really dropping into a whole other level of beingness and acceptance and compassion of myself. And that really created a really solid foundation to then, you know, simultaneously as I was doing that, I was doing all of my trainings with coaching and master coaching and breath work and all of the different things that I, that I work with. I work with over 25 different modalities at this point, but I was doing my deep inner work really, really deeply um, diving in. And that's what supported me to really be where I am today. It's the meeting of myself because the tools alone, the certifications alone weren't allowing me to hold people at the level that I can hold people now because there was, as I said, a lack of congruence. So you asked also what's an embodied woman. I feel like an embodied woman is a woman that is in full commitment to being of reverence of all there is within her and therefore outside of herself. Embodiment is not perfection. I am by no means perfect. I have shadows. I have shit behaviors that come up at times. I get reactive at times. You only need to ask my partner. There's definitely things that come out um, where if you had a camera inside of my house, you'd be like, oh, she wasn't embodied 100,000% of the time. But embodiment is not perfection, is the, the commitment, is really bringing the idea of something, the concept of something into tangible form. So it's bringing our values, bringing our philosophies, our ideas of how we would like the world to be into tangible form through how we behave, how we choose to respond. And that can only really take place when we've gone deeply inside of ourselves. I feel like nowadays there is a really disconnect between, there's a lack of embodiment, let's say, in a lot of quote-unquote leaders out there because there is a bigger emphasis in how we can impact others and how we can be of service to others and how we can make money and how we can create a profitable career before how can I fully love and accept myself really deeply? How can I fully take ownership for the shadows that, it, that exist within me? How can I make sure that I'm a fully congruent human being? So it's through the integration of those and through diving into the inner work that we can then become an embodied leader. There's no other way around it. And I'm sure we're all going to much more of this, but I'll, I'll leave it at here for now. 
Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it really, really resonates for me because I'm the same, you know, like I feel like our paths are quite similar. Like I've worked in a, not a corporate, but in a big kind of member-based organization. I've worked in the union movement as, you know, director of communications. And then I moved into the yoga world and and then I moved into, you know, doing the breath work and, and learning how to be a doula and then moving into the coaching. But yeah, as you say, like, at times when I didn't feel like when my world was kind of falling apart and I still felt like not good enough, I still was giving so much of myself from this kind of place of lack, you know, from this place of needing to prove myself for my worth and needing to receive this external validation from the outside world rather than feeling like I was enough and giving from that up you know so Mm -hmm. and I feel like so many women as we spoken before that is the big kind of pandemic of these times is women not feeling like they're enough in their moment in this now but like from that embodied place knowing and loving and accepting ourselves and it's such a journey you know to love all of the parts of ourselves and to not beat ourselves up because we've been so conditioned to beat ourselves up constantly and put pressure on ourselves and you know to 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 look at the parts that we are not rather than focus on what we are and I feel like some of the work that I've done with you has really really helped me to anchor into the truth of who I am and and the Mm -hmm. the gratitude of all that I am you know and to really kind of come from that place of acceptance of total Mm -hmm. self-acceptance so I love that I love that and I have to say that, you know, you are also one of the first women to really reframe the word freedom for me, you know, to really like help me to look deeper into the things that I do, the patterns that play out, the the programs, the conditioning, all of the thoughts that actually keep us from feeling free within ourselves and to for me, you know, that's what I'm on a pursuit of. My name, Sersha, means freedom. And I want to be the embodiment of that. But I'd love you to delve deeper into what freedom feels and means to you and how we as women can embody more of that essence. Mm, yeah. Hmm. It's a deep question. <laughs> but freedom means to me. Um, I'll start with an example. I had this one journey years ago with my partner, Brad, and he's always been someone that um, is all about freedom in terms of adventure and wanting to travel and wanting to be able to go anywhere and um, choose to be spontaneous and create whatever business adventure or anything, any idea that he has, um, having the freedom to materialize it, all of that. And we have the, we had this deep dive years ago where we were really looking at our different values and the things that we wanted for our lives and how we wanted to walk together in this life. And, and I had this realization of like, oh, wow, we both value freedom so highly, but how we see freedom is really different. I said to him, I I love traveling and I love moving and I love all of these things, but my freedom, how I define freedom has actually nothing to do with that. That is room to play for me, but freedom is no longer being a prisoner to my own conditionings, not being a prisoner to my own um, behavioral patterns or my own reactions. It's not being a prisoner to the criticism of others. 
is really getting to a place where I can be free to experience and move in this world the way I choose, regardless of the trauma I experienced when I was five years old or the judgment I will experience from my coworkers or my parents or the fear of rejection from my partner or this, that is freedom to me. It's really being able to be at peace with whatever it is without feeling so contracted, having to always have in consideration what others will think or fear or feel about how I choose to be and express myself in this world traveling and moving and all that, it's awesome. And it means nothing if we are still prisoners of our own minds. So I started meditating many years ago, my practices with really finding freedom within or my devotion and my passion for this started many years ago. And I got to say, I'm not fully there yet. There are times where, and many, many times where I still hear the voices in the head, the thoughts of what will this work or, or is this safe or is this okay? The thoughts are still there. What I am really committed to practicing is continuously choosing what feels like an exhale for my body versus a contraction. So how we can start doing this, how we can start really choosing freedom is through firstly getting clear on how we're not free yet. What are the stories, the habits, the um, people or environments that are keeping us in this feeling of contraction, in this feeling of who we are, what we want, what we desire, what we feel, what we think is not okay. It's wrong, it's not enough, it's not whatever makes us feel like we haven't arrived yet, or like something's wrong with us, then we probably want to look at that. So getting really clear on that first is really helpful. Then realizing that those things get to go. However, we choose to do that, it's up to each individual. But if something, if freedom is important to you and you continuously put yourself in situations or environments um, or habits and decisions, actions, that make you feel unfree, then you got to look at that lack of congruence once again. You're saying you want something, but you're going against it as well. So first thing, it's getting clear on that. The second thing is, and this is a lot harder than we might think. I find that women tend to find this really, really challenging is to get clear on your desires. It's mind blowing how many of us don't actually have clarity around our desires. It's mind blowing how complicated or challenging it can be to answer the question, what do I want? But getting clear on that is really important. Now, I encourage everybody to start the inquiry from within, not necessarily what do you want, as in, do you want two more rooms in your house? Do you want a bigger car? Do you want a better whatever? No, actually, what do you want to experience? How do you want to feel? Because the external comes and goes. But if we want absolute freedom, if we want true freedom, we got to start within. There's no other way to do it. There's not others. There's not other things to worry about other than yourself. So really, from this perspective, what are you wishing or desiring to experience that you're not? And once we get clear on the things that are making us feel unfree and our true desires, how we truly in freedom from a free point of choice desire to feel, then a lot more clarity opens up in regards to what are the choices, 
what are the practices, what are the environments that we get to choose to continuously fan this flame of freedom of sovereignty within us. There's a lot of work that gets to happen as well. You know, shadow work is really important. I, I find inner child healing work is really important. I find there's a lot of different pieces when we wanting to achieve this inner freedom, because there's a lot of the ways in which we're not free ways that we have learned that we have inherited, not things that we consciously chose. I would say the majority of the ways in which we contract our ways that we learned that our system got wired for contraction versus freedom, for shame versus freedom, for limitation versus freedom. So doing the inner work is absolutely crucial. But I'd say for people listening, start by writing and getting really clear on how and where you're not free, you're not feeling free, then get clear on your desires. It may take you a few seats to actually know this. It may take you a few years to know this, but start the inquiry. Give yourself the opportunity to start inquiring about that and then do your inner work because so many of the, the things that keep us unfree are things that we learned, things that we heard, misunderstandings that our, our little inner children had. And by clearing those things up, by doing the necessary healing and work, we create more room for free expression, for free choice, for free movement so that we can really be in, in total sovereignty within ourselves. So there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. I'd say start there. <laughs> there is, there's so much to it and it is a journey, but it is such a liberating one, you know, when we can actually move into that space of taking ownership and realizing that the way we are acting and reacting as isn't actually ours, you know, we've been trained in that way. We've been conditioned in that way. We've been kind of like, yeah, we've got a little girl inside of ourselves who, who created these coping mechanisms of closing her heart off, of keeping herself safe in order to feel love or feel safe. And then we operate from that place. So I can't recommend enough this inner work and shadow work to really look at why we do what we do in order to be able to move through that and choose a different way. And yeah, it's not for the faint hearted, but it is a beautiful journey of awakening to one's kind of limitations and breaking through them to come to a place of your own liberation, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And you did mention there, like, that women are just, we are just not used to claiming our desires because of years of patriarchal conditioning and the way we have um with the way we have evolved in this kind of society. And I'd love to hear from you. I know that you spoke to recently what matters to you matters to you, you know, and you put really, really solid boundaries in place in order to be able to live what matters to you. And I love that. And at the beginning, sometimes that would trigger me because I'd be like, you know, you can't just tell people you can't do this and you can't do that. And I know many women feel the same about boundaries. They feel like, I can't not overextend myself. I cannot overgive because who will do it if I don't, you know? And I'd love for you to kind of just delve a little bit deeper into creating boundaries that actually, as you say, hold you alone rather than withhold your love. I love that um, that quote that you that you share. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that because women feel so guilty, don't they, about not mm -hmm. being able to give so much of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll repeat that. 
learn to draw boundaries that hold you with love instead of withholding your love and that's a key really it's i feel a lot of the times when we think of boundaries and i've heard so many women say but i just i don't want to just become a bitch and just tell people that i i don't care and like it and that's not the point the point is self-honoring and the point is understanding that is always only from the overflow that happens within that we can truly give others and this world i feel like this is complicated for men and women not just women but since we're talking to the women this world has taught us in so many ways to put our desires and our needs and our feelings to a side so that we can be there for others and to always think and worry more about what others will think and what others will feel and what others will expect from us so it's something that's really well practiced we're really well practiced in putting ourselves last now understanding the impact of that is really powerful because yes we can become really good at putting ourselves last but to at what cost until when what happens 1000 million percent of the times is that we have a limit and at some point we reach that limit and when that limit is reached resentment starts and when resentment starts a lot of things that we wish to not have in our relationships in our friendships in motherhood start to come up because we are finally reaching that point of feeling exhausted experiencing feeling drained feeling like we have nothing left to give and because the lack of practice with asking for support, with asking to receive, with asking or putting ourselves first, what we do is we start working in passive aggressive ways that do nothing but impact our relationships and our friendships and motherhood and our professional even relationships in a way that is contrary to what we wish to experience. So drawing boundaries, it's not something that's trendy now something that i have to sell you into something i have to convince you to do it's just even from a matter of practicality it only makes sense that we do so now drawing boundaries doesn't need to be like putting a whole electric fence around you that nobody gets to trespass and keeping people at a distance or a distance or being mean or being selfish. That's what the majority of people think about boundaries. When we talk boundaries with women, especially, we hear, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to be inconsiderate. It doesn't need to be like that. So really looking at the come from is the most important thing. Again, get clear on your needs. What are the things that you need to feel absolutely rested, inspired, healthy, nurtured, happy, heard? Whatever it is that your needs feel like, list them down. What do you need to feel the way you deserve to feel? And then what are the things that are currently happening or taking place that are not allowing those needs of yours to be met? then how can you communicate that in a way that is not a blame to the other person, is not a wall that gets between you and the other person, but rather is a self-honoring declaration. It's coming from a space of self-love and not from a space of um, protection. That's a difference. 
a lot of the times we push the setting of boundaries way too much until we're so over it that when we finally draw the boundary, it comes with a sharpness and, uh, and an attitude that is quite cutting. That's why women, or I th I'd say men, but in this case, women tend to fear boundaries because we don't do it soon enough. We don't do it when we still have the energy, when we still have the love, when we still have the softness. And that's what we're really what makes the difference. So I'd say, first of all, get really clear on what are the things that you need. If you were to treat yourself with the same level of honoring and reverence and love that you treat your best friend, that you treat your daughter, that you treat your partner, whoever it is in your life that you treat best, if you were to have the same consideration for yourself, how would you be treating yourself? What do you need? Then when that's clear, what are the things that are currently getting in the way of you having your needs met? And then how can you start ensuring that your needs become a priority while also being loving and respectful to those around you? A silly example, but also an example that touches a lot of people nowadays. I've had a lot of women say, I just feel like I need a night routine. I need to do something before going to sleep. I sleep really badly or I don't get enough rest, especially with kids and all of that stuff. So I need more, I need more space before going to sleep. Once the kids are in bed or once work is over to have a little bit of space for myself, but I never get that. Why don't you get that? Well, because my husband or well, because my partner always has a TV on and then I end up watching Netflix, whatever, until this late and I don't get that. So I'm not well rested. Why is that happening? Well, because my husband, well, because my partner, well, because, okay. But if somebody that you truly loved came to you and said, hey, I'm feeling completely malnourished. I'm feeling completely exhausted. I'm feeling completely drained. I need better sleep. What would you do? Well, I would just move the TV into the living room if I wanted to watch TV. Then why is that not a request you are making? So I put this example, there's so many examples out there, but we think that in order to draw boundaries, we have to create this battle, this war with the person that's crossing the boundary. But in reality, all we need to do is get clear on the fact that we get to be important for ourselves. So like you said, yes, my needs matter to me. And this is something that if everybody started to focus on and prioritize, would really support this world in, in a really deep way, because if you really make your needs matter and I really make my needs matter, then we're all a little better. But if you don't make your needs matter and I don't make my needs matter, and then you're trying to please me and I try to please you, I can never fully please you. I can never fully meet your needs because only you can do that. And then you can never fully meet my needs. So you'll be resentful at me because you're not taking care of your needs, but you're trying to take care of mine. And I'll be resentful at you because I'm not taking care of mine and I'm trying to, 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 to take care of you. So because of this, it only makes sense that we prioritize ourselves, that we stop living as though our happiness, our well-being is someone else's responsibility and start taking responsibility for it. But it all comes down again to our level of self-worth because if we haven't done the inner work like we were talking about before, there will still be that agenda, that hidden subconscious agenda that we're going to put ourselves last and put others first in the hope that this way those people will love us. We try to make ourselves necessary. We try to make, our, make ourselves safe by being the person that listens the most 
and is available the most and is always there for others while rejecting ourselves. But no matter how much love and attention and acceptance it comes from the person that we are serving before ourselves, it's never enough because there's always a subconscious thought that goes, well, but if I stopped doing so much for them, they wouldn't love me. So it's really important to understand this. When we are putting our needs and our desires second to others, and you know, sometimes we get to, if our loved ones are going through a really challenging time or having intense illness, or when we're mother, like sometimes we get to, it's just how it happens, right? In saying that, on a general basis, when we are putting our needs and our desires second, what happens is that we can never get what we need. We try to get it from the other person, but even if the other person adores us, adores us for it, there's still going to be that thought, that voice inside that goes, but it is because you work so hard for it. it. If you stopped working hard for it, she wouldn't be your friend. If you stopped working hard for it, he wouldn't be with you. If you stop, so there's always this feeling that we have to work hard for it. And that only ever continues to feed the wound of not enoughness, of unworthy of love. So it's important that we get clear on this because it's only from the inside out that we can feel this void, that we can heal this wound. So boundaries are not just a matter of practicality. It's not just something trendy and cool that personal development people talk about now. It's something that really ensures that we can meet ourselves in way deeper love, in way deeper intimacy, and therefore we can meet another in that as well. It's holding ourselves accountable for our own inner work instead of compensating by trying to chase whatever it is that we feel we don't have yet within from another. And it also keeps others accountable to do the same. So if you're still not sure about boundaries, please let this land. <laughs> These are going to benefit and impact every single area of your life so greatly. Mm, yes, absolutely. And I know as a mother, you know, as somebody who is in partnership with another who has a deep desire to serve the world too. And we both come from this place of wanting to be able to share everything we've learned along our journeys, wanting to hold space for others. And obviously in, in the phase that I'm in, in the season of mother that I'm in right now, it's not really possible for me to step up as much as I would like. And I know that's the case for a lot of mothers who feel like they want to be able to have something for themselves to, you know, and then, and then you resent your partner for having the space. And, and that's coming from, you know, we've been through this in our relationship and, and I've had to get really clear on boundaries and, and like finding the support that we need in order to be able to meet myself where I need to be met so that I can actually hold space for my family and be in partnership with my lover without that feeling of resentment and frustration that he gets to do this stuff and I don't. So what has been really kind of alive for me in terms of putting really solid boundaries in place in order to honor yourself is the spaciousness that comes from that. And I remember speaking to you recently about how you had all this spaciousness and I got resentful of you having spaciousness. 
I'm like, but how, how do you create this spaciousness? Because you spoke into how, you know, having spaciousness helps with your creativity and helps you do more with less time. And yeah, without those boundaries, without putting those boundaries in place, you can't have that. So could you explore that the you know the the level of possibility that comes with the spaciousness that boundaries create yeah for sure such a great question so a couple of things i want to mention on that is let's firstly mention the difference between boundaries and emotional walls really important to understand because a lot of people still think of boundaries as that something that keeps people away something that tells the other how it is and you're not going to do this and there's a lot of that especially you're scrolling through social media and you see a bunch of things that are just yeah really interesting to see so boundaries can be really loving really soft and the other thing i want to mention is the majority of the times boundaries start with you so it's really getting clear on that first the spaciousness that can be created the relaxation that can be created the play the creativity the pleasure that can be created is infinite it's endless it's you decide life decides god decides how much you can experience of it but a lot of the times boundaries get to start within for example boundaries that i had to put with myself to create that level of spaciousness were how long I got to have in the morning before I touched my phone, before I went onto my emails, before I did anything. I had to get clear, got to get clear in uh, with my non-negotiables and all of the different things that got to happen before I got to work. So I got clear on my non-negotiables. I got clear on the things that I really, really wanted to experience for myself. I got clear on my energy levels. And what was best for me in terms of work? When do I work best? When do I don't want to work because I'm really up to something else? And I started to get curious and creative with really realizing first what my needs and what my um, energy patterns and desires were, and then how I could craft and schedule my day around that. So the boundaries I got to place was firstly um, no fun in the morning for a certain period of time, mm. how much time with myself I wanted to have before work, but also how much time for things like lunch. Like I, it's a boundary of mine. I'm, I will not rush my lunch. It's just, no, I like to chew my food. I like to eat properly. So I, that's a boundary for me. I will not chew, like just solo my food without chewing in front of the computer because I have to do something. It's just a no, no. Mm. So that's a boundary for me with me. And that created space for me to have fun and pleasure in the middle of the day versus stress and contraction. Because now I read my book while I'm eating, or I go out for a little walk, or I sit outside and just look at the trees and listen to birds and inspiration and ideas come from that. But I had to get clear on what worked and didn't work for me. Another boundary I had to set myself um, was around how long I would work every day. And so what time do I really want to work? And then I started to really see, okay, based on how I desire to live my life, based on the things that I wish to experience, based on the things that I wish to prioritize, the things that are important to me, aka pleasure, play, um, creativity, connection, intimacy, all of those things are important to me. So based on that, what are the boundaries that I get to set around work so that that is also taking place in my life. And I started with boundaries that weren't as 
what what's the word I'm trying to find? My my schedule, my boundaries around my morning time and my afternoon time were very different, even just a year ago. But the more I got to experience that, the more I got to experience also my desire for more, my desire for more spaciousness, my desire for more pleasure, my desire for more community or more creativity, time to go and play the guitar or trying to go and record a music album. All of these things were coming and then I kept adapting. So also boundaries are not something that you create once and then stick to them for the rest of your life, but it's something that you get to renegotiate. But the main place is to start with inquiry of what do I desire? Because like you asked how much spaciousness, how much clarity, how much um, connection, how much, how much creativity can we create? It's endless. At this point, if I wanted to work just one day a week, I can do that. I'm choosing not to because I really love what I do. So I'm choosing to do more things because otherwise when I'm resting, there's so many creative ideas and things that come through. But I have so much time in my week for nature time, for connection time, for play time, for pleasure time. But I had to prioritize that. And like we were saying, make that what matters to me really matter to me. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I cracked the code of how to be more special or how to, um, you know, automate all of the things and create all of the systems that happened too. But that happened as a result of me choosing to honor my desire. So the first thing is getting clear on your desire, then getting creative on how you make that happen. And as we spoke, when that happened to you and you were like, I'm feeling resentful towards you right now and I don't want to, but um, it's different, of course, in different stages of our lives, right? When I started my business um, years ago, before, the shifts that I went through and then closing down my business and studying an organization and all of those different things. When I started years ago, I was not having as much fun and pleasure and spaciousness as I have now because my focus was another. My focus was on building and growing and scaling and making it work. And I needed to put a lot more work onto it. I also didn't have the tools and understandings that I have today. So I also didn't know how to do it any other way than just through burning out and hustling and all of that stuff. Um, But it shifts and changes when you're a mother. If you have a baby that you're breastfeeding, your availability for time will be different than if you are a single woman. If If you don't have children, but you're in a relationship, your availability will be different than if you are single. If you have a full-time job while trying to start a business on the side, your availability for time and spaciousness will be different. So it's not a matter of one size fits all, but really getting clear on your desires and then getting creative on how you get to prioritize that. And I will sound like a broken record, but I will go back to the fact that the inner work is so important because unless you feel worthy of having what you truly want to have, you won't see the possibility of making that happen. Mm. yeah for sure and that's huge you know that's what I've been feeling like in terms of creating my business but now I want to create it from that I am creating it from that feminine leadership space and that's what 
the possibility and opportunity for all of us women at this time, I feel. And that's what this podcast is about, is about helping women to receive the codes and downloads from the women who are doing business in a different way, who are doing motherhood in a different way, you know, who get to have it all to, it's not about both and, it's either or, or it's not about either or, it's about both and, you know, like we get to have the business and we get to have the babies and we get to do it in a, in a spacious and expansive of way that feels good for us and you know some days I'm like nah this is way too fucking hard I'm not doing it because I'm hardwired for this struggle for this Mm -hmm. sacrifice for this feeling that it has to be hard you know and that's something that I'm still working on in terms of really seeing the bigger picture and being able to expand my capacity to hold all that which I want to call into my life you know and help other women do the same and I'd love for you to maybe touch on that you know those those feelings of things needing to be hard and how we can let go of them to move past that and do things on our terms in a way that feels good for us Mm, yeah the feeling that things need to be hard is a trauma response it's something that we learned long time ago it's not the truth but we can't in my experience working, I've been in this field for a decade. I've worked with hundreds of people and I have been deep in my own human experience. In my experience, we can't think our way out of it. We can't decide one day that it's going to be easy and then just move past it. We get to expand our capacity to be with the discomfort, to be with the challenges in a way that still feel relaxed, in a way that doesn't feel like a freak out. It doesn't feel like a lot to carry. And the only way that I know we can do this is through expanding our nervous system's capacity to be with things, anchoring in this feeling of safety, anchoring in this feeling of relaxation, anchoring in this feeling of safety in the body because the body knows what the mind doesn't the body remembers what the mind doesn't so we can tell our minds a story we can go to coaching seminars we can listen to podcasts we can read or listen to audiobooks on like things get to be easy you can have it easy babe yeah queen you can have it all and that's awesome but then that also at times makes women feel even worse because they're like fuck i know in my mind that things don't need to be so hard but it still feels really hard in my body. And then something must be wrong with me because I think that it shouldn't be hard, but it still feels like it's hard. This is why the embodiment work is so powerful because we are, as I said at the beginning, we are bringing the concepts, the ideas, the values, the thoughts into tangible form through our experience, through our body, through our embodiment. So regulating our nervous systems and somatically training our bodies to feel more relaxed to experience more safety is what allows us what can allows us to have things let be less hard so it's important to understand this because otherwise we can spend the rest of our lives telling ourselves that we must be the one only person that's still making it hard for herself what in reality We're all just doing this game, this dance where we get things consciously, but we experience something differently in the body. Mm. So catching up the body with the mind is absolutely important. 
There are many, many ways in which we can do this. I personally really suggest and invite people that are wanting to shift this pattern, wanting to do things with more ease, to find someone that can hold space for them, that is trained, that knows how to work with the body, with the nervous system to do this type of work. This is a huge part of what I do with my clients because my clients come to me going, okay, I want a bigger impact. I want a bigger business or I'm already killing it a business, but there's still this feeling that the other shoe will drop, that I have to worry that maybe next month I won't have enough clients or maybe next year things won't be as good as I expected them. Or it's, I don't know how to operate from any other state than worry, fear and stress or overwhelm. And that is a trauma response. That's the nervous system doing what it was wired to do. So one thing that's really powerful to recognize and acknowledge is that our nervous system is running everything. Our nerves, even what we think and what we feel is impacted by our nervous systems. So our nervous system, when dysregulated, when not in a harmonious state, will lead us to feel and experience a lot of things that we may not necessarily agree with on a conscious level. And if we think of our bodies and our nervous systems as a device, a machine, let's say like the computer or the phone that you're listening or watching to this too, in this phone, in this computer, you have a default settings. You have a set of default settings that determine how this machine works. So my phone, for example, I have a default setting that if, I don't know, a few minutes have passed and I haven't touched the screen, the screen will go off and the, and the phone will block. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works for me, right? But I can go and change those default settings and then the screen will be left on, regardless of whether I touch my phone or not. I can change that, right? Mm-hmm. But I can sit here every day looking at my phone and going, fuck, the screen was blocked again, but I didn't want it to block. Why did it block the screen? Why did this happen? Or, oh, damn it, I left the phone for a moment and I was just coming to use it and I wanted to use it, but the screen got got blocked again. Why did this happen? What's wrong with this phone? I don't like this phone. Maybe I should buy a new phone. Maybe there's something wrong with my phone. Data, 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 right? Mm -hmm. When in reality, the only thing that's going to change the experience, I can see it here and think that something's wrong with the phone. I can see it here and think that this phone is shit or is faulty or whatever, but the only thing that's going to change that pattern of the phone is me going and changing the default settings. Mm-hmm. Same thing happens in our nervous system. We can go into stress or overwhelm and resource back to what's familiar, which might be making things harder for ourselves and then judge ourselves and tell ourselves a story that something's wrong with us. And why am I doing this? I know that it, I know I listened to the podcast. I've done the positive affirmations, ease and grace in my life every morning, but it's still fucking hard. What's wrong with me? Well, nothing's wrong. You just didn't go to change the default settings. So until you go and change the default settings, good luck with that. You can sit there and criticize yourself and tell yourself that something's wrong with you but nothing is going to shift. So what we do with somatic experiencing work, with somatic embodiment work, with nervous system regulation tools, is we start changing the default settings so that where we knew threat, we start knowing safety. Where we knew stress or overwhelm or anxiety, we start knowing 
equilibrium. We start knowing presence, acceptance, relaxation. So doing this is really important and knowing this is really crucial because otherwise we keep once and once again, making things harder for ourselves, wasting time judging ourselves and being hard on ourselves because we we're doing things hard on ourselves. So we, we make things hard for ourselves and then we're hard on ourselves for making things harder for ourselves. <laughs> so there's not really a way out of it. And one thing that I love to always tell my clients that's really important to, to also remember is you can't heal a wound with the same energy that created it. So the part of us that learned to make things hard, the part of us that learned that things were hard is not going to shift and be healed by us being hard on ourselves. It's just not going to magically transform. It's only through breaking the pattern and choosing something different that we can really get there. So the majority of the times, the reason why we make things hard for ourselves is either because we, usually I would say the majority of us try to find safety in that. So there's either, there could be for some people, a feeling of unworthiness of having things be easy. For some people, there could be a fear of what others will say if it's really easy for me and for them not. Maybe they get resentful of me or envious or jealous. They don't like me, whatever. They criticize me, ostracize me. For some people, it can be even a subconscious, just totally energetical, uh, energetic loyalty with ancestry line of everything that was really hard for their ancestors, everything that was really hard for the family and almost feeling like, well, I have to, you know, I have to make it hard so that I, I also take some of the load because what if it was really easy for me and not easy for them? Like what that says about me, right? I won't belong in the family. I won't belong in this. For some people, again, it comes back to a sense of unworthiness um, that maybe shows up more in the sense of feeling like we have to earn things. So again, same thing. If we feel unworthy of having things be easy, then we'll work really hard to make things really complicated so that we work really hard to earn them. And then finally, when we get a little bit of breadcrumbs, we can go, okay, but I worked so hard for it. So people are not going to judge me. People are not going to dislike me. People are not going to whatever. So understanding that there's always a reason why we do things is also really powerful. You've heard me say this a thousand times in the embodied woman, the embodied woman mastermind is I'm yet to meet a human being that doesn't make sense. So when we stop judging ourselves for doing things the way we do them and start getting curious about why we do them the way we do them, then we can start healing and shifting things around, but it's only through compassion and curiosity that we can do so. You can't stop making things hard for yourself by being hard on yourself for making things hard for yourself. It just doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And I have been um, guilty of being hard on myself. And I have to say that, yeah, just it's just such a beautiful space to be in when you can recognize those thoughts that are constantly being hard on you and putting more pressure on you and to really choose to accept them and to leave them behind so that you don't continue that pattern you know I really feel like I'm closing the loops on so many ways that I used to do things that were just kind of my default as you say and that is true like coming home to the body coming home to 
really facing off with the wounds and with the stories and the programs and choosing to accept myself and to choose gratitude and to choose love, you know. And I'd love you to also maybe just give us a little bit of a a pep talk or you you really touched my heart last week when you spoke into you know yes things make sense but we also get to stop making sense in in the external world and start being true to ourselves and I know with, with everything you've spoken into if we can incorporate and integrate boundaries and experience spaciousness then we get to really hear what is true for us in a world that is so full of noise you know so I'd love to hear your insights on on being true to ourselves and stopping making sense so that we can really really live the life that we came here to fucking live Mm, yeah well coming back to that freedom right it's like we don't actually know, regardless of whether you believe in reincarnation or not, we don't actually know if we have another chance. And if we do have another chance, we will completely have forgotten about this life by the time we get to the next one. So this is it. This is it. And so what do you choose? Do you choose to live life completely trying to comfort and adapt to others? Or do you choose to live life in a way that feels fulfilling to you? I was for decades guilty of doing like really the opposite of what I wanted to do in many different ways because of always seeking that sense of safety, that sense of security through um, inquiring in my mind (laughs) endlessly about what others would feel, think or want or expect from me, what was safe, what was likable, what wasn't. And it wasn't until I really realized that this was it, that I realized the importance of actually choosing myself, even when things don't make sense. Right in this moment, a lot of the things that I'm doing don't make sense to my ego. I am just about to release a music album. That doesn't make sense to my ego. I'm a master coach, author, podcast host, facilitator, all of those things kind of merge with one another and make sense with one another. But music album, what the fuck? And that makes a lot of sense for me. It makes absolute sense for me. I sing a lot. I'm like, I do ceremony out of everything. My life is a ceremony. I I sing to the elements. I sing to the spirits of the land. I sing to so many different beings every single day. I sing every time I go in the shower. I sing in ceremonies. I sing in sweat lodges. I sing, I sing, I love singing. And yet to my ego, this feels quite threatening to put a music album out there of music that isn't mainstream, isn't what the majority of people out there consider quote unquote cool, but rather is deeply devotional. It's about my prayers to the great spirit for the liberation of humanity. Fuck, it feels like it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And yet, what do I choose? Do I choose to make sense so that others kind of see me as very well packaged and, oh yeah, this makes sense. Her font and her imagery and her pictures and her message and her offerings are all completely congruent. Or do I choose to live for myself? And this is a question that I feel every woman, every human, but since we're speaking to women, gets to really ask herself, until when? Will you continue to put 
your imaginary ideas of what other people want and need from you before your own desires, your own gut feelings, your own creative inspired ideas, and to when and at what cost? What is that costing you and the world? Because God, great spirit, communicates through the heart, communicates through the womb. It's those nudges, those moments of inspiration where we're like, okay, I feel inspired to create this. Those moments before the mind kicks in and start telling you all of the reasons why this is not on brand, this is not safe, this may trigger some, this may not be successful. Those moments are the moments where we can really grasp this eternal connection with whatever you want to call that thing. God, Great Spirit, Buddha, Jesus, Mother Earth, Allah, whatever it is for you. But that thing that nobody can quite comprehend, but everybody can feel when in stillness, that thing that's moving through all of us to create a more beautiful world, to bring love and light into this existence, that thing speaks to us in those moments. And the majority of times, it doesn't make sense. So it's important that we really make a decision. Are you going to continue living your life based on what you think makes sense according to your branding? What isn't, what is branding even? I was having this conversation with my friend the other day and I was like, fuck branding. What's branding? And I have my own branding and, you know, our, our organization has a branding, but, but what's even that? It's like, I'm going to put myself inside a box that contains three typographies, three types of fonts, mm -hmm. uh, five different colors, and I have to adapt to this. Every single image I take, every single post I do on social media, the clothes I wear, the things I create, the flyers I put out there for my offerings have to adapt to this particular box of identification. What's that about? <laughs> and for how long will you continue to be a slave to that? For how long are you willing to give away your sovereignty? For how long are you willing to give away your desires, your true, your, your true love, so that you can adapt to what you think in your mind others need, want, and expect from you? It starts with that. We start with getting clear on the fact that this is it. You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know for how long you'll be able to create freely, to express yourself, to have fun, to experience more of life. Right now, you have this gift given to you. You can experience this exquisite, delicious existence in this water paradise that is our planet with five different or six or seven senses. You don't know until when, you don't know for how long. Do you really want to continue to try to make sense based on a branding, based on your website, based on the freaking four labels you managed to fit in your Instagram bio, based on what you think your parents want from you and will make them proud, based on what you think your ex-coworkers from your corporate job need or will think or will say about you, based on what you think will trigger or not trigger your partner or your best friend? For how long? So the invitation really is to look at if you weren't so concerned about making sense, but rather about really being true to yourself, what would you be doing? What would you be creating? The most successful people I know out there are the people that were willing to say yes to not making sense. 
we only have to look at some of the most successful brands and, and companies in the world. Not that I necessarily agree or resonate with a lot of them, mm-hmm. but we only need to look at those. They were the pioneers, the visionaries that did things differently. Even in our field, the personal development or spiritual, whatever you want to call it, world, is the people that are standing out that stand out, <laughs> is the people that are standing out that are able to really create a legacy and a movement that goes beyond being just another coach on Instagram. Mm. So it's not just about you and your own your own opportunity to live life freely, which to me gets to be the center point and the biggest priority, but also from, from a perspective of your career success, your legacy, it only makes sense to start being true to yourself, even if that means not making sense to others. So within that, I really invite everybody listening to, to ask for a moment, just daydream, even if it doesn't feel safe, it doesn't feel like you're ready, it doesn't feel, it feels crazy or really out there, whatever it is, just dare to play, dare to play and ask the question, what would being fully true to yourself look like? What would you be creating? What would you be experiencing? What would you be saying yes to if it didn't need to make sense? And again, like I said before, you may not have the answer straight away, but start the inquiry, start asking. I would have not in a thousand years thought I would be creating a retreat center and launching a music medicine songs album while creating a new coaching program while doing my retreats in person like none of it to my ego a lot of it is like what i'm doing what (laughs) but it's just what feels true it's what what feels right and trusting that is important but again even if you're not at the point of trusting that or really feeling safe and ready to pursue that start by daring to ask the question what does being true to yourself look like? What would you be creating? What would you be wearing? What would you be saying that you haven't said yet? What would you be choosing that you haven't chosen yet? How would your life and your expression be if you weren't so concerned about making sense with the ideas that you acquired about who you need to be in the world and for others? Yes, I love that. I love that. And, you know, I just want to honor you for the life that you have created for yourself. You know, you've gotten really clear on 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 how you want to feel and what your experience gets to be. And you just live into that, you know, and you continuously expand your your own capacity and your own offerings to the world that really resonates so deeply with me and so many others around the world. So thank you, sister, for fucking being so true to you, you know, and for for doing the work you need to do in order to feel free and to embody truth and to live in your sovereignty. It's a beautiful thing to witness and to, to join you on the journey. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Oh, so beautiful. And I just love you, you know, to maybe just touch on your vision for the future in in this way if all of us women and men I I I guess this is called all boobs blazing and it's about women embodying and reclaiming their potency so that they can love the shit out of who they be and to become and rise as the feminine embodied leaders that the world really needs in this time for us to be anchored in our 
truth, in our freedom, in our liberty, and to like give from that place where we're already full, you know? And I'd love to hear what your vision is for the future of feminine leadership, what you see, what is your prayer for the world and for this time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my prayer for the world is always the same. It's to see and experience all beings liberated from suffering. That is my ultimate prayer, to live in a world where we all live in harmony with one another and with Mother Earth, where everybody has access to the things that are our birthright, and um, to really live in a way where we are in alignment and congruence with our ultimate potential, and there's no longer um, suffering and infections of the mind. That's my ultimate prayer, how I see the future and the present of female leadership and the potential that I see here is as women really rising to our true potential through tuning back into the feminine essence within all of us and really deepening in our sense of worth and knowing how deeply whole and complete we already are so that our leadership is really anchored in this desire to nurture the world back into wholeness from the wholeness that we carry within versus going into leadership from a space of lack in a space of not enoughness, trying to serve others so that we can, our little girl can feel finally enough. So my desire is that we can really do the work to feel so deeply anchored in that wholeness, so deeply fulfilled in our worthiness and our knowingness that we are it, that it's, we have arrived that we can then nurture and nourish the world back into that wholeness as well. I feel like the feminine, power is just it blows my mind away like my heart cracks open every time more and more for the love i've got for the feminine this this ever powerful essence that we all have access to to create and birth ideas worlds and humans into existence to nurture and nourish everything back into love everything back into life to birth creativity to give or open the doors of intimacy. There's so much that women can do and be when we have really understood our worth. So my passion is this because of that. I see so much medicine happening in the world um, or so much medicine for the world when women really understand their worth and their power and they can stand in this truly embodied space of their strength and their softness the fearness and their vulnerability, really living from the heart and from the womb versus from the mind and from the walls around the mind and around the heart. So I really think that women, we have the ability to transform this world and it starts with us, starts with us really nourishing and healing those misunderstandings around our worth and our enoughness and our likability and lovability and once we do that, I feel like we can really turn this world around to bring it back for the future generations into a space of a place where we can really see that harmony, that justice, that peace, that truth prevails. And it's our birthright. It's what we deserve. It's what was at some point. I really do believe that the future is ancient and there's no more evolved conscious or aware thing we can do than fully learning to love and accept ourselves so that we can then give back to the world in that's what in that way so that's my ultimate prayer always one and the same oh goosebumps everywhere yes beautiful and at home sister no. oh, thank you. <sighs> 
so beautiful thank you so much for you know for doing the work that you do and for helping to helping to raise the vibration and to return the feminine unfuckwittable frequency that we get to emanate to shift this world back into a place that is whole and perfect and complete for our babies and for the next generations as you say yes indeed so mm. thank you so much how can people find you how can people work with you so Instagram is the easiest way to access all of the things or my website. So Sigrid Tassis everywhere. SigridTassis.com is one of those names that you probably don't know how to spell. That just happens with weird names. So go and find it in the show notes. Hopefully you'll put that in there so people can find. So yeah, in terms of social media, I share the most content on Instagram. I also have a podcast called Sacred Leaders. You can find the, that in all major platforms. And head to my website, sigurdtasses.com, for all offerings. So my containers are more than coaching programs. So I call them initiations. We talk about really the initiating you back into the fullness and the truth of yourself and your power. So, and if there's anything that landed from this and people want to talk more or connect more, feel free to also just send me a direct message on Instagram. I am a pretty approachable person. Mm -hmm. So we can do that as well. And yes, I can vouch for your incredible work. I am absolutely loving being part of your mastermind. And it's really, you know, just the sisterhood and the celebration, the accountability, the embodiment. It's just, it's just incredible. So I can't recommend your work highly enough. And yeah, I will share everything in the show notes and look forward to hearing more about the retreat. If it's in this country, count me in. Um, and yeah, just lastly, what, what comes alive for you when you think about all boobs blazing for the feminine rising? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be fully transparent and honest because <laughs> I know you wouldn't want it any other way. I actually had to sit with this because I didn't know what it meant because English is not my first language. I had never heard that. And I was like, what is this? And then when I finally, I looked it up, I was like, okay, that is in a way. So for me, such a deep translation of your personality and your desires, which I love your desires for really women to feel fully empowered and fully unapologetic in their wild creative expression and really that fierceness. So when I hear this, what resonates for me, what lands for me is that fierce and apologetic yes to ourselves in whatever way that looks like for some women. It will look very different to everyone, but that's what lands for me when I hear and even just when I see you in the group calls and I see your name all whoops blazing. I always have this sense of this like fierce and apologetic fuck yes to oneself. So I'm loving the name. Sadly. Yeah, baby. That's that's the kind of feelings we're going for. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, honey, thank you so much for taking the time today. I'm sorry we went a little bit over, but you have so much wisdom to share. So I love you and thank you. And I bear down in deep reverence to you, sister. Thank you. Likewise, love. Love you too. And thank you for having me here. So I hope you received some nuggets of inspiration from this episode and I hope it helps you with your rising. 
Thank you so much for listening. It just means the world to me to know that peeps are picking up what I'm putting down. So if you did like it and something resonated, please share it on your socials and and spread the word, you know, screenshot it and share it and, and let me know what landed for you and what you'd love to hear more about so that I can continue to create content that lights you up. Uh, It's my mission on this planet to get, you know, more women lit up and liberated to fuck. And I'm here for the women to remember the magic of who they are and to go out there and shine bright. So also, I have a very special invitation for anybody who's listening. I'm currently calling in women into my vision of creating a collaboration book. It's called Rebel Ma, Rising in the Time of the Feminine. And I want to show the world how good it can be when we live, love and lead by embodying our unfuckable feminine energy and go all in on our dreams. Now, if this sounds like something that activates you and that feels like a full body yes, then jump on a call with me. Check out the link below for more info and let's chat about how you can be a part of this book and become a published author in 2023. The links are below. Just feel into it. You know where your heart is telling you to go and I can't wait to meet you there.